When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Hello and welcome everybody to episode 28. Can't believe it's 28 already of the back check. Brendan and Stefan here. And today's show is going to be interesting because we are one day away from another clash of the Rangers and Islanders. This one might just be the most important one of the season so far. There is a lot riding on it, primarily from a Rangers standpoint. But before we dive into all that, Stefan, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, Brendan. Won a championship last night. Feel good. That's why I'm reclining in my seat right now because I'm absolutely exhausted. And the funny thing is, next season begins tonight at 11 p.m. So got to uh, let that memory go and play tonight. But, Brendan, it was great to see you this weekend. Unfortunately, I'm kind of mad at you. What I do? Because you took advantage of me when I was drunk. Let me explain real quick. Oh, God. You decided that, oh, I'm going to go to the Yankee game on Sunday. Stefan, you should get tickets. No, you cannot put this no, one on wait, me. Wait. No, I'm not going to blame you for, for me buying tickets. That's my fault. But at the same time, you put the thought in my head that let me buy tickets. To, and I had no business going to this game. It was never going to happen. And the off chance of me waking up the next morning, then going to the game and getting back before my game – very unlikely, but you put the thought in my head. I bought the tickets. I sold them, but I did lose some money. So you're gonna, well, I'm going to give you partial blame for that. Wasn't your game at 7 p.m.? Okay. What time did the Yankee game end at? Four? I was home by five. Okay. You're going to Brooklyn. I'm going to Long Island. It took me an hour to get home. One accident, Brendan, on the way home. That you would have been home yeah. by the latest six o'clock. Anyway, what an awful fight Saturday <laughs> night, right? Terrible. Uh, that whole thing was a joke. I can't believe we actually – Watch that. I thank God we didn't spend money on it. But well, we had six people there. 
by the time the fight began, three had left. Yeah, it, it was just it was bad. terrible. But hey, we had some fun. We were chilling, hanging out. So that's always a good thing. But always. you know, I mean, hockey is a lot more entertaining than that fight, and we could be thankful yeah. that we get to watch hockey, especially high level hockey, which we will see tomorrow night. Um, before we dive into the Rangers and Islanders stuff, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about some of the contact that was made in the Capitals and Bruins game last night. Uh, there was a couple of heavy hits, both thrown by Capitals. Uh, Hathaway had one, which wound up being a five-minute major for boarding. Tenorti's face took a, a brunt of that punishment. He actually was leaking all over the ice. And then you had Tom Wilson, of course, always in the middle of things. I personally think it was a clean hit. I think that Kirali was going down. and It was just an unfortunate circumstance. But let's hear your take on that one. So let's start with the, the Wilson one. Right away, I said this is clean. Everyone's complaining on Twitter or whatever, wherever people complain nowadays, that, well, the intent, he led with his elbow, the intent was going to be a dirty hit. Well, guess what? You can't assume what Wilson was going to do if Corrali stayed up. That's not what happened. What happened was Corrali fell down, Wilson was committed to making a hit, and we watched it on replay. Yeah, it looks dirty. It looks like he led with his elbow. That's like 1.5 seconds where Wilson has to now change his trajectory. It's not going to happen. The fact is, though, Wilson always crosses the line or comes really close. So anytime he lays a hit like that, People's arms going to go up. How dirty the league can't can't allow this. He's not going to get suspended for this. Corrali was falling down. Now, should there have been a penalty prior to that on the trip going in? Yeah, there probably should have. There wasn't, and Wilson hits him. Don't think it was dirty. You saw Wilson right after too. You know, Wilson went right up to Corrali after to check and see if he was okay, and then the Boston Bruins players went at him. But you watch the replay. I don't know what what do you what should Wilson do when I go, he can't stop his momentum? You know how fast he's maybe he would have been charging whatever it was. The fact that Carly fell down made it look like an impact right to the head. It was unfortunate, but that's not a penalty in my book. Yeah, he wasn't even moving his feet at the time of hit. So I, Tom Wilson, every time he throws a check, is going to be questioned. People will take videos. They could switch those videos, slow it down, make it look like it's suspect. There's nothing wrong with that hit. He's a physical hockey player. Hockey's a physical game. Corrali was cutting through the middle of the ice with his head down, and Wilson yeah. was going to hit him. And as he's going to hit him, you're already in mo- you're in full flight, right? You're not stopping. You can't stop your momentum. It's physically impossible. And Corrali unfortunately starts to go down, and it changes the point of contact that is not on Tom Wilson in any yeah. way, shape, or form. That is an unfortunate hockey play. It happens numerous times throughout the course of every single game. This one just happened to be open ice, and Tom Wilson just happened to be the guy on the other end of it. And like you said, Boston's players went up to him, rightfully so, but he did look down right away because there's certain hits where he throws. When he got suspended most recently, he wasn't asking if the guy was okay because he knew in his head that was a terrible hit and he was trying to play it off. This one, he wasn't trying to do anything there, and it's just unfortunate. So nothing wrong with that hit. So what I don't understand is the Bruins players were all adamant about going after Wilson on that play, but when Hathaway destroys Tenorti, quote-unquote destroys him against the boards, nothing. The play could if the if the play would have ended right then and there if people went at Hathaway. Nobody did. I just counted it. Fifteen seconds went by after Tenorti gets his head smashed into the wall, into the wall in the boards, before the play stops and the ref sees the blood dripping. But nobody reacted to that hit like it was nothing. I don't know if the Boston Bruins players saw it. There was no penalty on that play. It was reviewed. He was given a game misconduct. But I mean, I don't know how that play goes on that long, especially he, he never got up. He finally got up, and you see like him standing over and just blood dripping. The only thing I could think is that the hit took place. It's a, a it dangerous hit. Yeah, it's a dangerous, dangerous hit where when you hit somebody from behind and they're right against the glass, that's one thing. It's a boarding penalty. But when you hit them in their space, now all of a sudden you're going in and you're falling at that awkward height where your face is meeting that dasher. And that's why he got so badly cut on his face. But 
for Tenorti when he did get hit, like you had talked about with me prior to the show, it was a push. It wasn't a huge collision. So as a Bruins player, if you're looking quick, because remember the game's still going on, they probably looked and just saw a slight push and turned away to go chase the puck, and they didn't see the full like outcome of that impact. So that's why it took a little bit. But once he stood up, Tenorti, and the ref saw it leaking, like the play was blown dead right away, and they reviewed it. And I think they made the right call. Oh, I think they made the right call. And I also, again, a reason they didn't stop playing is because there was no whistle. They had to play defense. Yeah. They got The Capitals had chances after that, but it's the right call to me. Like you said, the hit wasn't – If take away the space and where it was. If that was against the boards, I don't know if that's a hit from behind because he really pushed them. And, you know, the player – you can't brace yourselves, but I don't think it's going to be as dirty of a hit. But – the fact that there was time between and space between Tenorti and the boards is why it was so much more dangerous because he was going head first down. If you're closer to the boards, you probably go banged up against the boards on that hit. The fact that he had time to fall down and go right into the boards is what made it dirty. I think he'll get that game as combat. I don't see suspension coming because, again, it wasn't that dirty of a hit. It was just wrong place. You can't make that hit right there. Maybe a fine. I, I don't think it, it's, yeah. it is a suspension-worthy hit. And, I mean, it's unfortunate. Like you said, there's a distance, right? When you're a player and you're playing at any level, you know that if you get hit from about three feet away from the boards and you have enough time to go in awkwardly, that's when injuries happen. He was able to keep his head up, and he's kind of lucky that he did because I'd rather take the cut on the face than go down with your head down, and now all of a sudden you're talking about a neck or a collarbone injury. That's how I broke my collarbone. I went in like that shoulder first and the same type of hit when you're in that awkward spot. So. Whenever I see that, I cringe because you know that the player there, it looks like they should have time, but you have no time to get any type of normal positioning going into that board. And that's why I think it was a a correct review and call for the five-minute major. But, I mean, that was a huge, huge game because if you look at the standings, right? I mean, this this division, this East division is unreal, but the Bruins win 6-3, to which as someone who covers the Islanders and watching, I wanted the Caps to win because the way the Islanders have been playing – it seems it seemed like okay. First place is probably not up for grabs. You want to close. Uh, you want to spread the gap as far as possible between the fourth place seed and the Islanders, and that's the Bruins. And the Bruins get a big win, which means they move two points closer to the Islanders. But to go to the Islanders now, let's just talk about the Islanders game because I did miss it. I did check with out a lot of people, watch the highlights, watch the interviews. So I have a gist of how the game went. But the Islanders picked up two critical points. Did it? That do they deserve it? Again, I didn't watch. I heard it was a similar type of effort than we saw against the Bruins, which is not particularly good. But the Islanders now go from trending in the wrong direction standings-wise to now just, again, two points two points out of first place with a game in hand on the Capitals. And last night, Islanders won one nothing. Both goalies were phenomenal. Sorokin made that one extra save and got the win. He made 30 saves the night in Brendan on the season against the Flyers. Sorokin has just flat-out dominated. 5-0-1, 944 save percentage, 1.58 goals against average. And after the game, Arthur Staple led with a question about how do you feel, whatever, and he goes, hello, everybody. Like, just everything about Sorokin in his first year as an NHL player where he's getting acclimated to just everything. He's just he's just very funny guy, but he's so calm and going. I was listening to NHL Network, and the biggest thing they said was, Sorokin's not a big guy. When he goes down to Butterfly, he stands tall and looks bigger, and not many NHL goalies do that when they go down. He just stands straight up, and he cuts off the angles. And last night, I mean, I watched some of the replays. He made some some big-time saves, and for the Islanders, I feel like before the Robin Leonard's, before the Varlamovs, five or six years ago, 
their goalies were average. They'd make the saves they need to make, and that's about it. But Sorokin comes over here, especially in a game like this, where this is a huge – every game's big. We talk about it all the time. But as you get close, it's so much harder to get points, especially when you play teams that are desperate. The Flyers are not at a complete, but they are a desperate team. You need your goalie to make those saves. and they're then out of it. And, No, they're out of it, but they're still going to play like they still have a chance. Like They're not going to give up on their they, – they played – a hard-fought game yesterday. The Flyers' defense is just abysmal, and the Islanders really should have had. I think the Islanders had a couple odd man rushes. They just, just they did. The Flyers were the better team in that game for forty-five yeah. minutes. Yeah, I mean, I heard the Islanders had a terrible first. Again, slow starts is an issue. I don't know what Trotz has to do to get them to just come out of the gate because it will kill you in the playoffs if you start off the first ten minutes not playing hockey. It's gonna yeah, kill you. I, I think there was a point where the shots were like twenty-one to nine in favor of Philadelphia. Chances were up there too, where it, it was just the Islanders did have a, an occasional odd man rush of turnover, but I mean Philly but was that's just it. buzzing that's the, the problem. Pot. The Islanders' offense is not generating. They are trying to make take advantage of opponents' mistakes, and the Flyers had many. If the Islanders were to run away with the, run away with this game, it wouldn't have been because they played well, because the Flyers Flyers played bad and made defensive mistakes, like we saw so many odd man rushes yesterday. Even though the Islanders couldn't come through, it's the fact that the Islanders' offense is not creating enough. In the playoffs, defense teams are going to lock down and they're going to play their tight style. It doesn't matter if they're an offensive juggernaut like the Maple Leafs. They're going to play less of everybody go up and make a play. They're going to be less mistakes. And if the teams that can capitalize, great. That's going to help. But if you can't generate offense, especially since the, the trade deadline, the Islanders have not mustered any offense. I think they have eight goals in five games, something like that. Nothing. It's just been nothing. And it's bad. And this is what we saw last year when the Islanders at the end of the year. They were 0-3-4 to end the season. They looked terrible. Offense was non-existent. They got a nice break. Well, guess what? you got to figure it out now during the regular season against, again, desperate teams. They put the Caps another three times. What, did they play the Rangers another two times? No, three, three times, times which three is times. why the Rangers have a chance of catching the Islanders. Des- but desperation against the Caps, it's more so, okay, we're fighting for the top seed. And while the top two, I will take the second seed so you have home – I, Islanders need home ice advantage. At this point, they're they're putting themselves in a worse spot if they don't because they've just been so dominant home. So against the Caps, it's one thing where it's, all right, you, you want the two points, but you're also battling for first and second. Hopefully that's where it stays. But when you lose to the teams like the Bruins and they're fighting for their lives to make the playoffs, again, the Rangers tomorrow night fighting for their lives, you don't come out as desperate as them. They will walk all over you. And that's any team in the NHL that's desperate for wins. Islanders should be desperate because they're not. It's not. They, it's not a guarantee they make the playoffs. It's really not. If they continue to play the way they've played, they got lucky. Uh, they got lucky. They played the Flyers because if, against the Bruins, those are playoff style games. And they lost both. If they didn't play the Flyers, had to go play the Rangers and the Caps. Like they got a break playing the Flyers and winning one nothing. If they had lost that game, that's three losses in a row to go and play a Rangers team that is more desperate than a Flyers team that's out of it. I, I, you're shooting yourselves in the foot by these lackadaisical efforts to start games. It's just terrible. The, the Flyers don't have the offensive chemistry and firepower that the Rangers have right now. And I'm not just saying this as a Rangers fan. The way that they are buzzing right now from that two-game set against the Islanders into this four-game sweep over the Devils, which is just – I don't care how bad the Devils are. It's really hard to beat a team four straight times in any given season. It's yeah. never been done before most of the time because they don't do four straight games, but look how hard it is to sweep somebody. And that's every other day in the postseason too. And that's another good team. So uh, the devils are not good. And the Rangers took advantage of so many mistakes, but if but the they- Islanders come out and start that way against the Rangers to tomorrow night and give them chances around the zone, they're going to score. <laughs> I mean, they're just clicking right now offensively. 
the NBCSN put a stat out there where since March 13th, four of the five NHL point leaders are Rangers. It's it's Strom, Panarin, uh, Panarin, Strom, Zabanajan, and Fox are four of the five. The other one's Nathan McKinnon. That, <laughs> that's how much they are clicking right now on all cylinders offensively. And yeah. that is dangerous. And they're getting good defense and they're getting good goaltending. It's not like one thing is, all right, the defense was good in the beginning of the year. The offense was terrible. Now the offense is really good defense. No, it is a collective game from this Ranger team, which is why it's probably very frustrating as a Ranger fan because had they put together efforts like this, to, you know, they didn't start off as slow as they did. They are no doubt a top four team in this division. And again, as an Islander person, Islander fan covering the team, I would not want to play the Rangers in the playoffs. I don't care what happened last year. It means nothing. If the Rangers continue to play the way they're playing, more or less, going into the playoffs and they make it, momentum is – there's no break. So that momentum you're carrying over is huge. If the Islanders went into the playoffs last year, 0-3-4, Pajot looked eh. Islanders couldn't score. They weren't healthy. Let's, let's say that they were healthy, but obviously they weren't. The Islanders probably struggle, and they maybe they beat the Florida Panthers. But they probably don't beat the Caps. The Caps played terrible. The Islanders played well. You give the Caps chances. I mean, the Caps had three guys score in that whole entire series. Only three uh, Capitals scored. This is a whole. The Islanders probably do not go on a run if they don't have that break. For the Rangers, they make the playoffs. They're coming in with momentum. Momentum is – I don't even know. You can't measure it. And the problem with the Islanders is when they get power play opportunities or they get big goaltending by Sorokin, there's no momentum carryover. There is none. They, they don't – yeah, a big nothing happens where the Islanders do something and momentum comes right where they should. Like a couple of games ago, the Islanders had a f- uh, five minute power play. Yep. The other team had more chances, and the Islanders couldn't get any momentum off that. It's just now's the time during the season where you have to accumulate as much momentum as possible, game in and game out. If the Islanders had dominated the Flyers, like the Rangers have done, like eight nothing or whatever, which they they didn't obviously. You're going against a Ranger team feeling amazing. I know the Flyers aren't a good team, but amazing. You won one nothing. That's great. You didn't play great. You got two points, but you get you can't start a game now against the Rangers slow like you did against the Flyers. You got lucky the Flyers can't do anything anymore in the NHL. Like they just can't do anything. I'm shocked. Elliot's been t- not great. Their goaltending hasn't been great at all. And Elliot did play well yesterday, but the Islanders missed a lot of opportunities to score goals. They missed a lot. So Elliot played great. Don't get me wrong, but you got to score more than one goal on Brian Elliott in the hockey game. He allows I think four. So again, every goalie you know allowed to have one game. I want to get the Hopi in a second, but every goalie's allowed to have one you know one game where they stand on their heads. But Elliot's stats, I think, uh, I don't know how to say that. I think Elliot's stats were great, but the Islanders should have had more than one goal against them. The same way Sorokin played out of his mind, the Flyers probably should have had a few. He robbed them, but Elliot's not the same goalie that Sorokin is. They didn't have any chances. Uh, the, the Islanders had odd man rushes and didn't shoot or miss the net or made yeah. a, a weird pass. The only chance that I could vividly remember being a high quality chance on that came on an odd man rush was Casey Zizekas tried to tuck it through the five hole and Elliot got a piece yes. of it with the pad and it trickled through. So yeah, Elliot played well, but he didn't face as many high danger chances as Sorokin did in that game. Sorokin was very good in the first two periods, wasn't tested as often or as much in the third, but did his job, made a big save in OT. I think a, uh, First 30 seconds of that OT, the Flyers had a chance to come in and, and score, and he held his ground. So he looked very good, got the, got a third shutout of the season for him. And, you know, for the Islanders, though, that offense has to find a way. Wallstrom, who was so hot, is now ice cold, and, 
And I think he has to start getting going. Barzal looked so dominant in that OT period with the puck, but yet nothing was getting through. He just kept doing a pirouette on the top of this blue line. And he, he kept trying to the same thing to get in, get in. But all they did was give him that room to make the circular spin move and nothing came of it. So they got to find a way to attack more north-south than just east-west. They go back and forth all the time, but they got to drive that net. And I think that they really, you could see right now, they miss Anders Lee in front. Yeah, so Wallstrom, no points in nine straight games. Um, Barzell, no points. Oh, excuse me, no goals in eight. So it's been tough. It's yep. been tough. They have to have guys to bump. Trot called him out, said uh, Dobson took a seat for Coburn yesterday because Dobson hasn't played well. He hasn't played to a level that Trotz needs to be. He called out Wallstrom and said Wallstrom hasn't been as good as an effective as he needs to be. So, yeah, I mean, that's what's going on with the Islanders. But for the Rangers, it's complete opposite. Brendan, birthdays are a big thing now at the Rangers. Players are capitalizing when they turn a year older. They are, and it was huge, a huge theme in this series against the Devils. After they shut them out twice, right, you knew that the Devils were going to push a little bit in game three. It was a question of how long could just start and hold that shutout streak, which wound up being like 199 minutes against the Devils, to will the Rangers be able to continue their offensive surge? They did just that, and it was Pavel Buchnevich who got the hat trick on his birthday, and then followed up by Amika Zibanejad two-point night and a game-winning goal on his birthday yesterday. So really the birthday boys showed up big time and it helped them and they needed every goal the last two games against the Devils. The Devils did give them a run. Each game the Rangers got out to an early lead. The Devils wound up pushing coming back, but the Rangers just have too much offensive firepower right now. Will they have to shore up their own end, uh, especially against a better Islanders team, better, you know, when they play the Flyers, the Capitals, all these teams that are in front of them? Yes. They're going to have to make sure that they play 60 minutes in their own zone. But it's kind of hard to keep that foot on the gas consistently when you're jumping out to 3 nothing leads 10 minutes into every single game. You kind of just feel like, okay, we're going to have what it takes to win against this team. So I'm hoping that playing the Islanders on Tuesday kind of wakes them up even more and makes them even more dangerous. But like you said, the birthday boys was a big theme. And not a birthday boy, but Artemi Panarin still is just – He's a Hart Trophy finalist and might just be the most valuable player to his team in the league. Especially if the Rangers find a way to sneak into the playoffs. Correct. And we talked about it. If Panarin doesn't miss that time with the whole Russian crap that went on, the Rangers are definitely in the playoffs right now. How many points does he have on the year? I think it's 52. 52 in 34 games. And he That's... missed, what, 14? No. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean. He missed 11. 11. I think so... it's 11 games he missed. Yeah, you'd be no doubt should be he could already be up for the heart, but if he was not in dealing with that Russia incident, the Rangers would definitely be in a playoff spot. But you look at the Rangers and they're getting leads to start games. Doesn't matter what like you said, how hard it is to beat a team X amount of times in a row, even if it's two times in a row, and they do just that. And they, they outmatched the Devils the whole entire I mean the Devils I know came back yesterday and the Rangers won, but that was more the Rangers taking their foot off the break, uh, off the gas and the Devils waking up. The Devils are just no match for the Rangers right now. And it's scary because when the Rangers offense clicks and everything else is the usual good self, defense goaltending, one of the top teams in the league, Brendan, when they're on their game. When they're on their game, they're very hard to beat. The question is, and, and we've talked about it, is will they be able to maintain that consistency over the course of the next 11 games to even make the playoffs? And will they be able to maintain that consistency if they were to make the playoffs in the postseason? It's going to be very hard to do because of how young they are. But they have 12 forwards who can realistically score. 
I mean, that fourth line is still questionable. When you add Kratz off to that mix, it is four lines that can score. Their defense has been solid, and we already know that what their goaltending is with Igor Shesterkin in goal. So they are a full team. The question is, can they keep that consistency? They have so far. They're 13-4-3 since March 13th. So this wasn't a four-game sweep against the Devils, and that's the only reason they're relevant. They've yeah. been doing this for well over a month right now where they're just a better hockey team than most teams in the East Division. And they're going on a run. They did this last year. They got their run cut short because of COVID. Now they have 11 games. It's not going to get cut short. They know exactly how much time they have. Can they continue this push, beat the teams they have to beat? And realistically, I think with 11 games left in this season, they can only lose two of them. That That's what I would say. They have to find a way to win nine. I feel like a broken record saying this every single episode, but it's going to come down to that last game of the season. It, it really, it really is. But to stay in the East before we jump to what happened in the Vancouver-Toronto game yesterday, because that's just a story in itself, the Buffalo Sabres picked up a huge win over the Penguins. They got outshot 36-29, but find a way to win. And that helps the Islanders dramatically because if the Islanders would have lost last night to the Flyers, the Penguins would have stayed in second place and made their mark to be, uh, I think, three points ahead of the Islanders. So Sabres coming through clutch. You know, I don't know who even scored in this game. Let's see. Wish the lining got a goal. Reinhardt got a goal. Reinhardt got two goals. Yep. Asplin scored. I mean, they got – I mean, the Sabres season's over, but the fact is that they can play a vital role in what teams make it out of the East by beating those top teams. And, again, for the Islanders' sake, that's a big win by the Sabres. But to go now out to the North Division. Well, hold on. Before we do that. The yeah. Sabres are 6-3-2 and two since the trade yeah. deadline. They're playing spoiler right now. That's you I'm mentioned saying. that last game of the season. Buffalo has to play Boston numerous times. That's not an easy game for Boston right now. Uh, Buffalo's playing good hockey. So it's not a you know what everyone thinks is going to be. They're just going to bend over it and take it from Boston. That's not true. Okay, they're, they're going to put up a fight, and they might take one of those games, which would be huge. And the way the Islanders and Rangers still play, the Brewers still play the Rangers twice. There is a good chance that the Rangers might be watching that Islanders-Bruins game, and whichever team wins, they could jump in front of, right? That might be one of those teams has to win because that that's just how close this really is. I know the Islanders are eight points up and it doesn't feel like it, but eight points up when you still play one team three times as high as the Rangers are is not a comfortable lead by any stretch of the imagination. So this really might come down to that final game. And it's eight points, and then they play each other another three times. So that's six points. Six three points up for grabs. I just can't wait, and I'm going to enjoy this. And I hope to God the Islanders stay in a playoff spot because, quite frankly, they played so well for the majority of the season, and now they're struggling. But it's just going to be so fun to watch. And it's going to be desperation hockey. Every, you're going to get playoff-style hockey probably for the good teams playing the good teams. I'm not sure against the bad teams. You'll see bad teams get beat up, but especially in this East division. That's why I'm so excited for tomorrow night's game. Tomorrow, tomorrow night is going to feel like a playoff game. It should be a two, one. I wouldn't say if it's a two goal win by any team, it's going to be an empty net. Like it's going to be a close. There's no way if there's a game where one team explodes over the other, I'm going to guarantee that it's more so the team beating themselves and the other team just dominating because again, uh, it's going to play a stay uh, playoff style Islanders have to come out. They don't have to score the first goal. They just have to show up in a first period. If they go down one after one, I'll take that if it's a great effort. See, I'm, the way the Islanders lost to the Bruins Thursday and then they lost Friday it was a little better effort, but I don't care about losing. You're not going to – the Islanders are not winning out. 
They're not going to win out. It's not possible. They're going to lose games. It's the fact that you can play your butt off and still lose a game because that other team just played better. But it's the fact when you don't play well at all and you allow the other team to beat you is what's so frustrating for the Islanders fan base because it's lackadaisical efforts that are killing them. Like if the Flyers would have won yesterday, it would have been Islanders had a terrible first period, great second and third. But if they had been trailing two or three nothing after one, which seems to be a common theme as of late, trailing early. It's like, yeah, you put together and you weren't ready for the game to start, and that's why you lost. You didn't lose because the Flyers were a really good team. It's the fact that you weren't ready to go. So for the Islanders, it's just show up. You can lose games. It's fine to lose games. You're not going to win them all. But give 100% effort, and you lose a game, you lose a game. What are you going to say? But if you come out and give 20% effort, why'd you lose? We weren't ready to play. I've heard that excuse three times, and we're not ready out of the gate. Look, that's a serious, serious problem. And I, I love Trotz. I think he's an amazing coach. But it goes on the coaching staff when your team, game in and game out, is not ready to go. It does. And the other interesting component to tomorrow night's game is the fact that it's at Nassau Coliseum. We know how dominant the Islanders are at home as opposed to what they look like on the road, which sometimes is sluggish. But guess what? The Rangers just came into Nassau Coliseum and took three or four points. So out of all the teams in the East, this is the one team that's not afraid to go into Nassau Coliseum and play. And I just – I'm really excited to watch what's going to happen. I'm not sure who's going to start in goal. It should be Shesterkin, but the way Georgiev plays against the Islanders, now you're looking for wins. That's a, that's a tough decision. I do not envy uh, David Quinn at all for what he has to make there. Personally, I think that if you're going to make the playoffs, you have to ride Shesterkin, and why not? Just let him go. If you miss it because he loses a game against the Islanders, so be it. Uh, I think you got to yeah. lose it or make it with Shesterkin. See, the Islanders have a different issue because Sorokin just put on a clinic yesterday. The game I went to against the Rangers, he was pretty good. And you got Varlamov. Varlamov's your clear number one in my book. He's still your clear number one. He's your veteran guy. And these are must-win games. Now, if you give Sorokin – Varlamov has done very well against the Rangers. I- I'm saying you got to go with him. I feel like Sorokin just – he had to play very, very, very well yesterday. And I think that maybe he needs a break. You know, coming up on the schedule, they play the Rangers Tuesday, and then they play um, the Capitals on Thursday. So I think tomorrow you go with Varlamov. Yeah, you play the number games. You saw Trotz play the number game yesterday because Islanders uh, Sorokin's been soaking against the Flyers. So if you're going to do that, I think you got to go with Varlamov against the Rangers because again, you're playing the numbers games. But it's going to come down to for especially in the playoffs right now. Varlamov's just started in the playoffs again, veteran. He's your number one. But Trotz has ridden the hot hand especially over the last couple of years because he's had tandems. He's had two guys that he trusts to go game in and game out. And it's not to say that you start the playoffs. If the Islanders make the playoffs, you start the playoffs. doesn't mean you're going to finish it. We start guys come in and play against game seven against the Flyers last year and win it. And then Varlamov played game one, I think, against the Lightning. So interesting to see. I think we see Varlamov tomorrow night, but it's going to be a do that. Maybe we should buy tickets, Brendan. Yeah, if you want to pay for me. No, absolutely not. I mean, last time I went, they won, so I'm one to know in the year. It was an over t- again. Though, it was a tough, tough game. Momentum swings back and forth, and the Islanders found a way in overtime. The same way the Islanders found a way to get it done yesterday. It- it'll be a-, a fun one for sure. But Brendan, can we go out to Toronto and Vancouver now? Can we talk yes. about? This? Yes, we can. So the the Vancouver Canucks had 22 players, 22 players out with COVID. They didn't play in. You know, stop making noise in your mic, Brendan. Jesus, eighteen minute, uh, eighteen games without a game. Now they were scheduled to play, and they said we're not doing that. We're not having one practice and playing. It's not fair. Yesterday they go down two nothing against the Maple Leafs. Come back, and then Bo Horvat, the captain, wins in an overtime. And I'm going to say this on record: 
which I haven't said once yet. Braden Hopi had a fantastic game yesterday. He was dominant. Yes, he did. I mean, he made so many unreal saves. He stopped 37 of 39. One of them was a stack the pad saves where he did a full clockwork save where he spun over on his back, timed it perfectly. I mean, every save he made seemed to be a desperation, unreal save. And the thing is, he probably doesn't get this game if Demko's not still recovering from COVID-19. And this is a Maple Leafs. I mean, the Maple Leafs seem to be a storyline where other teams just have miraculous games. I, or so. I mean, you have the, the what's it called? Um, who stepped in and beat him? The Zamboni driver beats them. Just everything that oh, happened. David Ayers, yeah. David, David Ayers, yeah. Against the Maple Leafs. You got Vancouver in a magical moment, come back and win that game. And and for Vancouver, you look, you look at the North Division, and they may be in sixth place with 37 points, but they've only played 38 games. Every other team's played 42 plus. They're not out of it at all. And how they make up all these games, it's going to be tough for them to do so and to win because they're going to play a lot of games in a short amount of time. But what Vancouver showed, yes, that's just – it was a miracle because they got hit hard. They have players still recovering from this virus. A lot of them said they were very, very sick and their families got it. It was just a tough situation. But to beat to beat the Maple Leafs after not playing in a very long time, one of the, one of the, the top team in, in that division, just unreal performance by Vancouver. That's a great story. And it was it was fun to watch. Like you said, hope he did play outstanding. Forget the – that windmill save with his leg that he made, which was crazy. The the stretch across the stop yes, one yes. chance was also a phenomenal save. So they needed him to play well. And and when you are coming off a layoff like that, especially when your whole team was pretty much sick, your goalie's going to have to steal that game for you. And that's pretty much what Holpe did. And the fact that they came back from down two one, one in OT, their captain's the one that scored the goal. Just a crazy, crazy story there. And fun game to watch. I caught a little bit of the end of it. And it was it was back and forth. Like they didn't show many signs of fatigue, especially in the third period, which is usually when you see fatigue from a team that's that's been hit like that, right? You, your legs look a little dead come the end of it, but they did the opposite. They picked it up, and that's that's really amazing to see. The fact that they played a game was a miracle. That everybody like they were able to get back this season because there was a part where I thought, excuse me, there was a point where I thought, okay, Vancouver might just have to forfeit the rest of it. Like I don't know how they're going to do it. A new strand of the COVID vac- uh, virus, it was really damaging to their whole entire lot. Everybody got it. So the fact that they were able to get on the rink and play a game was a miracle in itself. And then to come back and win, and their captain gets it. And they were down a D-man, too, because Alex Edler was ejected for kneeing Zach Hyman. So they were down a defenseman as well. They were only playing with 5D that game. So that's that's just an unreal win. But did you see the Ducks game, Brendan? The Ducks did some vi- the flying V. I, I saw I saw the Twitter post about it. I will not watch a Ducks game because that I, I, if I wanted to watch a comedy, I'd put it on Netflix. But I am not watching any Ducks games, so no, I did not see it. I saw the Twitter post. I was at the Yankees game. I watched the last two seconds of the Rangers game, watched the Islanders-Flyers game, and that was it. That was all the hockey I consumed yesterday. Watched. The, oh, I saw the scoreboard updates. Was kind of pissed off that the Bruins found a way to win again. But, hey. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun finish. I mean, Ducks didn't win the game. They just had that one miraculous flying moment. Wait, wait, was that the game they, they played the Kings yesterday or no? Vegas. Uh, the, the Vegas, I mean. Yeah. The Vegas won 5-2? Vegas won by a score of 5-2. to two. Yeah, okay. So Mark Stone scored a goal yesterday that yeah. was absolute filth. Filth. I, I've never seen John Gibson get, get beat like that. He walked him. 
I feel bad for Gibson. I didn't want to see him in the playoffs so bad, and it's never going to happen with him on the Ducks. It will, I will, it will never happen. And if it does, he'll be like thirty-five and not the same because he, he's just too good to not be in the spotlight. And with Vegas winning yesterday, they tied the Avalanche to top that division. That's yep. a juicy as of a division as well. And I mean, we got the Avalanche have three games off now because of COVID too. Yeah, so, so you got to keep we'll that. See. But by the way, the Rangers have the best goal differential in the. East right now, like plus 33. And then I was looking around to see who has better goal differentials than them. And it's not many teams, but Vegas and Colorado. Are just, I was going to say Colorado has to be. Colorado is, is unreal. I think it's like plus 59. I'll tell you, it's not the Islanders. I could tell you that. No, the Islanders are 22. Yeah. So, I just, but that's not bad either. Like, I mean, oh, 22, uh, 22 out of. No, that's no, not. they're plus twenty-two. Oh, 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 okay. All right. Well, yeah, so that's it's a good that's goal a... differential. But yeah, Colorado's plus fifty-three and Vegas is plus forty-nine. That's first and second. But I mean, the Rangers, like, obviously that's skewed a little bit. But still, to have a plus thirty-three differential, to have more points than any other team's four seed, and to not be in the playoffs, it's just frustrating. Yeah, it's I mean, so you look at the flyer games, but at the same time, they, they scored the goals. I mean, they, every other team in the East Division could have put up those numbers against the Flyers, and they haven't. So, you know, the Rangers offense, we know how good they could be. In ho- I mean, as a hockey fan, I want to see the Rangers in it because I think it's just fun to watch. Kratzow finally got his first goal, which... Which he said it was his second, and I laughed. That was hysterical. <laughs> they, they asked him how it felt that he scored his first NHL goal, and he just responded with, you mean second goal? <laughs> and then just started laughing. And I was at that game, and I was so pissed off because I looked at my dad and I said, the one thing I want to see tonight is Kratzo's first goal. And he got it. And then Lindy Ruff had to challenge it. And that's what you get, Lindy Ruff, a four-game sweep. <laughs> Such a terrible coach. Ah, uh, no, he's been good for the Devils. I mean, he doesn't have help. Yeah, they just trade country. He's a terrible coach. But what were you saying earlier in the year when he, the Devils were playing better than they should have been? Overachieving. Well, it was overachieving. We, I mean, were, they, we we discussed the fact that right now he was getting the most out of them and he was playing the young kids and it was paying off. But eventually that stopped. And this stopped before the trade deadline. This is not because they traded people. They were just terrible for the last month and a half to two months. This was a team that was in like the second seed early on in the season. They were beaten up on most teams. They had a winning record. They had a COVID pause and then boom, they just fell off the face of the earth. Did you see Jack Hughes flip the you-know-what the other day? I, I did. A little crybaby. So the question is, though, would, do you like to see that out of a player, especially a guy like him where he's showing his frustration, but also, you know, you want that energy that, you know, is that a terrible thing to see from a young player that how much he cares? His team's out of it completely. They're not making the playoffs. But the fact that he cared so much that he was so angry at that call and he went off, is that, do you sort of want to see that from a young team and a, a young player? It's good to see passion. Passion. I mean, That's the only thing I would take. it a little more. I'd rather see the passion while you're playing than after a whistle. Because you know, if Bar, I feel like Barzal definitely is a player that would do that, and that would be negative for him because he's taking stupid penalties, and the refs don't respect him. For I feel like for a guy like Jack Hughes, I don't really hear much about him and and refs, but to see the passion that he showed of how angry he was and how much you know he wants to win, and this is a young Devils team, and he's he's the center of this team. I know Nico Hishi is the captain, but. You know, the future is Jack Hughes. And to see that from a young player on a team that's not making the playoffs, I don't know. I kind of take that as as a positive thing to see just how much he cares despite the the outcome and the situation this team's in currently. I mean, you could take it as you want. His team just got swept by the Rangers. 
Yes, yes, it is. So, Brendan, we, we know a couple of weeks to go, a big game, Islanders, Rangers tomorrow night. Let's do projections. What do you think the score is going to be tomorrow night? God, this is impossible to predict. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's very unlikely to predict, but it's not impossible. I'll say 4-1 Rangers. Trying not to be biased here, but I do think we see another overtime game. I just just the way these teams play. If the Islanders could all right, well, that's fine. Because I, I just think that if someone's going to win, it's going to be in regulation tomorrow. Well, I'm going to say the way the Islanders have been playing, I think they're going to go to overtime, and I think they're going to lose. And I think they're going to lose three to two in overtime. Just that's the way the Islanders have been playing. I I see them going down early in this game, coming back in the third period where they've been a really good team and then finding a way to lose in overtime to, you know, because the Rangers and Islanders this whole entire season have gone back and forth. And the Islanders win the last one in overtime, so I think this time the Rangers get the win. People are going to hate me for that, but it's just if the Islanders are playing better and I had faith in them in a first period, I, I have the, like their chances a lot more. But the fact that they've played lackadaisical and subpar and this Rangers team decided that this is how they're going to play for the rest of the year and just dominate pretty much and have momentum, it's going to be a tough game for the Islanders. The Rangers have jumped out of the gate flying four straight games and scoring, not just flying, but scoring. The Islanders play how I saw them play in the first period yesterday against Philadelphia. The Rangers will get on the board first, and we know how much better a team the Islanders are when they're ahead than when they are behind. So in that in that hockey sense, not because I'm a Rangers fan or anything like that, is why I think the Rangers take tomorrow. Right now they are extremely hot. I know it was four against the Devils, but they are hot. Their record since March 13th, which I said earlier, is crazy. This is a very good and lethal offensive team right now, and most importantly, Panarin and Zabanajad are the ones leading the way, not to mention Chris Kreider now scored yesterday. So he's got two straight games with a goal. He's the streakiest goal scorer in hockey. And he likes to play the Islanders, especially on that power play. He scored a power play goal yesterday. Can we see another one tomorrow? We'll see. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.